0: Chapter number two. Appreciate your involvement in the service this morning. Appreciate you helping shoot that video. I know that it will be a blessing to our missionary friends around the world. Appreciate all the work that goes into the ministries here. As I ran downstairs and ran back up real quick, I ran by the nursery and was reminded you know, some people are doing hard time right now. <laughs> They're down there oh, in the nursery. That is a difficult place to be. And uh, nobody does says too much about that, but I really, really appreciate that. That is a difficult ministry, and I appreciate it. It's kind of one of those unthankful... Un... That isn't. How did I say that? You know what I meant to try to say there? It is not one of those... Th- where you get a lot of gratitude and it's difficult and i appreciate the people who work in the nursery you know having children in the church is a very important thing the future of the church depends upon that and therefore it is work it'd be no work at all if there weren't any kids but there'd be no future to the church and i appreciate all of the work that went into that the i was in the the store the other day and they were playing christmas music and they started playing the charlie brown theme song is a very recognizable theme song. Charlie Brown is associated with Christmas, mostly because of the Charlie Brown Christmas specials, if you remember those as kids, used to come on. And I got to thinking as I was sitting here, remember Charlie Brown and his kite? You know, there's, there's a whole difference between a kite that's on the ground and a kite that's in the air. And the whole difference is the wind. And a message is very much the same. The mechanics of a message can all be the same. If there's no wind, there is no flying. And a message goes on, just stays on the ground without the breath of the Spirit of God. That's what makes the difference between a good message and a bad message. As long as it's truth, it's, it's the truth. But what makes a difference is whether the Spirit of God lifts it and it flies. And this is what we need this morning. We need the Spirit of God To take his word and move it through your heart and that'll be the whole difference today whether this has any impact or not is what the spirit does with it so we are in luke chapter number two where else would you be on a christmas morning between matthew and luke that's about your choices there a few old testament passages but here we are in luke chapter number two Almost everybody does, I think. If you can remember back to your childhood, the things that happened in your childhood, those early years, they cause such anticipation and excitement that we, in your early years, that you actually almost never recover from that if you had that kind of a childhood. And it shapes the rest of the, the, your years with Christmas. If you can put yourself back into that really young age of when you put up the family Christmas tree and you started hanging the Christmas lights, then presents start to appear underneath the Christmas tree. Do you remember looking at those presents? While they were still wrapped up, they could be anything. Their whole mind just would race at what these things could, they could, while they were wrapped up, okay, there was no disappointment. Before Christmas, there's no disappointment. While they're all wrapped up, anything conceivable could be under that tree. The traditions that you had, that you did every year in the the family, the family gatherings where you travel and so forth and see people that you hadn't seen for a long time. All of these things, just as a kid especially, just drove your life. And memory builds upon memory. And our love for the Christmas holiday just grows and grows. But have you noticed that the holiday is ever-changing? You know how we decorate changes? My grandparents had a lighted Santa face that they put in the window every year. You could see it coming and when we'd come from, from South Carolina. You could see that lighted Santa face. And knew, you knew you were a grandpa when you saw that. They had a Christmas tree and a few miscellaneous decorations. My guess is that my grandpa's grandpa brought in a live tree from outside and they put candles on it. Yeah. Nothing says, let's burn down the house for Christmas, <laughs> like real candles on a real tree. Uh, just say it. Boy, how things have changed. Now, I would not say that my wife is an excessive decorator. You see people around town who are excessive decorators. I, don't, I wouldn't say that we are that, but she has 12 to 14, maybe 16 totes of Christmas decorations. Three, four, five Christmas trees that get put up at different times in different ways. She has three totes of strictly wrapping paper. Okay, I'm not saying it's excessive. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying the way that we decorate has really changed. Our traditions have changed. My grandpa, I think in memory of his childhood, used to throw English walnuts at our Christmas. He evidently that's what he got for Christmas, and so he would throw English walnuts. Now, we as kids didn't even like walnuts, but we would fight over them, and you've never fought until you fought Steve for for English walnuts, but we did it because it was important to Grandpa, and so we would fight for walnuts. Now, every now and then, my mom will bring walnuts to our family Christmas. She does not dare throw them. Because if you th- can think of the Vanderhart clan in her little living room fighting for walnuts, uh, the, 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 the four walls would be out of the parsonage, the, the lid would be down on the top, and we'd be all done. It just would not work. Our traditions over time have changed. Our gifts have changed. Dad talks about getting an orange for Christmas. Boy, that's some Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Boy, have things changed. The idea of Santa delivering everybody's toys, well, when you're thinking about oranges, apples, and maybe some little wooden toy uh, in a sleigh, you think, well, that might be a workable thought. But not today, because since Heidi's expecting, we are not, we're not, the kids can't, she can't travel. And so we leave tomorrow morning, we're headed down uh, to Heidi's, to Tennessee for Christmas, and all the kids, all my kids are gathering there for Christmas this year. Since none of the kids will be home but Macy, all of my family, all of our, the relatives around here have been saying, can you take the gifts to the kids? <laughs> I was thinking about Santa's sleigh in this whole thing. <laughs> we have an equinox. The back seat is not, there's nothing in the back seat at this moment. But just the Christmas gifts that I'm hauling from here to my kids for their Christmas, I had to slam the door. I mean, there is not a one cubic inch of space left in that trunk for just the gifts. Back in the day, one bag of oranges could have done the whole thing. (laughs) And I am hauling the flat, my tires are going to go flat from the gifts that I have to haul. Our gift giving has changed. Our holiday stories have changed. I love Dickens' Christmas Carol. I read the story every couple of years. I also collect the different movies that are based on that story. It's kind of frustrating, though, if if you're a connoisseur of the original. Because every one of them, there's always some new variation to the thing. All the holiday stories have changed. How many different versions of Santa Claus, how he came to be, is there? Rudolph and Frosty and the Snowman and the Grinch, you can count on it. Every year there will be some new variation of the story. The way we celebrate Christmas, the Christmas holiday, is constantly changing. Why? Because we get bored with it. We get bored with the way that the past was. We want to make it better. We want to add a new event or a tradition. We want a new twist or a variation just to keep it interesting. That's how we celebrate the holiday. But let me ask you this. What about Christmas itself? What about the real Christmas? When you take away all the glass bulbs, the blinking lights, and the wrapping paper, you remove the snowmen, the jingle bells, and the parties, and you have just the original Christmas story. That story has not changed at all. Yeah. For 2,000 years, people have been marveling in that one event. And even though the celebration of the holiday has had a 1,000 different faces and in, it is in a state of constant change, the real event is immutable. It is unchangeable. It is the unchanging Christmas. That's the title of this morning's message, The Unchanging Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. It is our privilege to gather here. Lord, you know the difficulties. You know the things that are needing to be dealt with, and I ask that you would work as only your spirit can. Bring our minds into union with you let your spirit open your word lord each heart here has needs each life here needs to hear from you you are the answer and without you we have no hope so by your spirit use your word to change your people for we ask this in the precious name of jesus christ The unchanging Christmas the fact of the matter is the real Christmas story is so amazing and so wonderful that for 2,000 years it has been told and retold without a change it is the truth it's exactly the way, what happened it is so wonderful that no improvement could possibly be made on it you can't think of a better version or a way to tell it if a hundred billion people have been born on planet Earth. What makes this one birth worth celebrating? We're telling and retelling without any variation at all. Why is one birth the focus and not the other 100 billion? What sets this apart? Number one, it was a long-awaited birth. It was a long-awaited birth. In this world, when a couple wants a child, they may hope and pray for one for years. But at that point, a child is only a desire. They want a child, and they may go for a long time waiting and wishing for a child. But when the doctor says, Congratulations, you're going to have a baby. How long is the wait? Well, it depends whether you're the expectant mother or not. If the mother is in the first trimester and is puking her guts out, which is typical, it is a long awaited child. (laughs) This is taking like forever. If the mother is in her third trimester and is now having to lean backwards when she walks in order to get around. It is a long awaited expectancy. But for the rest of us, it doesn't take that long. No matter what, nine months is the length of time. But for the birth of Christ, The promise had been given a very long time ago. In Genesis, at the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the promise had been given. And each generation since that time had been anxiously awaiting this birth. But waiting in and of itself doesn't make something special. I'm going to say something here that if you're under the age of 35, you probably have no clue about what I'm talking about. You did not get to experience this, but if you're over 35, more than likely, you'll be hitting on all cylinders with this. How many of you here ever ordered something off the back of a cereal box or out of a, a comic book? Oh, yes. Back in the day, they had advertisement on the back of comic books and you could cut off, it took three or four box tops off the off. Off the cereal box, in the back of the comic books, they had these little ads, you'd fill them all out. The most wonderful things in the world you could get for three box tops and 59 cents postage and handling. Or out of the back of a comic book for a buck 59, you could get such wonderful things. Secret decoding rings, foot lockers full of toy soldiers, hats, beanies, with propellers on the top. You could, for the mere pittance of 59 cents and three box tops of cereal, you could have these things. And so you filled them out and sent them in. There was fine print, if you don't, if you remember these things. Fine print at the bottom of the page said, (laughs) depending, if either four to six or six to eight Weeks, allow, please allow six to eight weeks for delivery. Now, if you've ever wanted to know what eternity is like, because <laughs> a kid, no, this is I, okay, I'll tell you what I did. You mail the thing, it goes out in the mail. Do you know you go to the mailbox the next day? Look, they might have got it through fast, <laughs> they might have got there and back overnight. You never can tell. So you go to check the mailbox the next day and the next day and the next day and 4 to 6 weeks was on the slow side of things. that was on the short side of things 6 to 8 was more likely. You want to know what the reality is those 4 to 6 weeks were the best. Because in those 4 to 6 weeks you could imagine all the secret codes you could decode You could imagine these major, she warned me right before church to move that, the major battles you could have, you could imagine how cool you'd look with your beanie hat with the propeller. It was when that box showed up that all the imagination (laughs) was gone and you realize that three box stops don't buy much (laughs) just because you anticipated it and waited for it a long time doesn't mean it was worth anything but when the lord jesus came it was a long-awaited birth but it wasn't something we had conjured up and hoped for this is something god had promised and in that birth, we have a long-awaited promise of God. And that, my friend, sets it apart from all the other births. It was a long-awaited birth. Number two, it was a one-of-a-kind birth. It was a one-of-a-kind birth. Every day, every moment of the day, babies are being born. And although the families of those babies are excited it doesn't have much of an effect on anybody else. All the babies being born today really meant nothing to you. Every now and then an unusual birth will take place that will catch people's notice. Remember it's been, I don't know, 20 some years ago now, the McCoy Septuplets that were born in Carlisle. And this was an unusual thing to have seven babies born all at the same time. How how long ago was that, was that 20 years ago? 25 years? Is it 30 years ago? Can't be that long ago. 20. They're saying 25 years ago. You guys don't even know what we're talking about, right? You've heard of them, okay? They were born in Carlisle, and everybody was talking about this, and the whole state was, in, in fact, the whole country, in fact, even maybe parts of the world were watching for this. as an unusual event for seven babies to be born all at the same time. And so it was an unusual birth. Every now and then these kind of things come up because of genetics and science and all of that working, medical all working together, we have some interesting events like that that people take notice of. But in the birth of Jesus Christ, we have a -a one-of-a-kind, never-to-happen-again type of birth for his birth was a virgin birth. A child born without a human father. This had been foretold in Isaiah seven fourteen, and was absolutely necessary for the plan of salvation. The child was born of a virgin. And this in of itself is enough to set that birth aside apart from all the other births in the world. It was a long-awaited birth, but it was a -a one-of-a-kind birth. Number three, it was the birth of a king. It was the birth of a king. You know, we don't have much experience with this sort of thing. In fact, much of the world, the whole thought process of the royal bloodlines are kind of a thing of the past in the world. Even with our own leadership, we don't have much experience with this. Typically, our presidents are beyond that age. They've got grandkids almost by the time they get to be elected into that type of office for us. Very rarely do we see children in the White House. But try to get your mind wrapped wrap around that. If the First Lady was expecting and she had a baby, think about how the country would focus on that. How excited the whole country would be that we would have a child born. At the, you know, to the president. It would be an interesting event. Now the reality is that child would have no political say or whatsoever, but it would be something for the country to really wrap themselves around. But think about if it were a royal family, and that baby that is born is your next ruler, your life, your future is wrapped up in that kid. And so you can kind of, you can see what it would mean to us if just our president who doesn't even, won't even, they only last four or eight years and the child has no say in the government later on. You can see how excited we could be about that. Think about in a king, a royal kind of thought process, how this could really be something. It's the next ruler, it's the future of the country. That birth would be a special birth. My friend, don't let the stable, the manger, the poor parents, the shepherds, the swaddling clothes fool you. This humble birth is no ordinary birth. This birth was the birth of a king. Not just a king, this is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And yes, his birth should be set apart. It's a long awaited birth. It's a a one-of-a-kind birth. It's the birth of a king. Number four, it was the appearance of the creator. It was the appearance of the creator. When I was in college, I worked at a lumberyard in Chicago. There were six or seven of the stores, I believe. It was kind of a chain store, all kind of a local chain. And every now and then, maybe two or three times in the whole time I worked there, it would go, a rumor would go through the store, the owner is coming. And when the owner was coming, the managers went nuts. They wanted, they, they were pretty low key most of the time. They wanted everything cleaned. They wanted everything organized. Everything had to be in apple pie shape, as they used to say. Everything had to be perfect. Everybody had to be on their toes the store had to be running on all cylinders. Why? Because the owner was coming and they wanted to put their best foot forward. It made a difference. The store ran differently when the owner was going to be on the property. I think everybody understands that. I think all of you have been in that kind of a situation. The big boss is coming is what they say. And so everybody goes on to their best behavior. My friend, this is exactly what this verse was John 1 tells us very specifically in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made this was not just some ordinary visit this was an appearance of the creator and owner of all That sets this birth apart. It's a long awaited birth. It's a one of a kind birth. It's the birth of a king. It's the appearance of the Creator. Number five, it is the incarnation of God. This is almost too much to get our mind to comprehend. It's been mentioned multiple times in the service already today. This tiny baby is not just another tiny baby like the other hundred million that have occupied this planet. This baby would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This baby, according to John 1.14, is God made flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ himself would say to Philip, think of these words in terms of this little baby. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. It's too wonderful to imagine. It's too hard to comprehend. It, without question, sets this birth apart. The baby that lies in that manger was God in a human body. God become flesh. Wonder of wonder. This is a birth set apart. It's a long-awaited birth. It's a -a one-of-a-kind birth. It's the birth of a king. It's the appearance of the creator. It's the incarnation of God himself. And number six, it's the Savior of the world. It's the Savior of the world. Heidi's going to have her second child in... I don't know, late late January, I believe. Now, without question, having a second little one in the house is going to change things drastically for them. Not quite as drastic as having the first, but the second one does add a whole new level to things. There's somebody now to fight with, if you remember your siblings. (laughs) It's going to add a whole nother level. Now, that ripple is going to ripple right into my life. Because grandpa and grandma are going to have another grandkid. And that's going to be a good deal. And that is going to ripple into your life. Not so much. You'll be happy because we're happy. The real ripple will be now it's going to take longer to get out of the church because grandma's back there with one more picture each week of her grandkids that you have to see in order to get out the door. But... You know what? The ripples kind of even out after that. There's not much ripple in the the thing. Every life affects other lives, but it doesn't ripple that far. Every now and then, someone's life ripples a little greater than that and it might ripple across and affect people you know, in a little wider scope. Maybe the whole town, maybe the whole state, maybe the whole country Every now and then, someone may do something that affects two countries. Once in a while in history, if you go through all of human history, you might find a couple that actually affected the entire world for a couple of years. But in this birth, you have Jesus Christ who affects every person both directions, past and present. For every person from the past has been looking for this Messiah, and he's the, he was the one who was coming to save them from their sin. And every person in the future looks back and says, Christ came to do that. He is the Savior of the entire world. Every person who has ever lived on the planet, his life affects that's why this birth is so unchangeable, because it stretches in both directions. He is the Savior of the world. It's the long-awaited Messiah, the promise from the Garden of Eden. And Generations from that time had been looking for this Messiah to come and deal with their sins so they could be in heaven. From Christ's birth men have been looking back recognizing the promised Messiah had come and they put their faith in him and how ask yourself how can one person be the Savior of all we've already seen that this is no ordinary birth Jesus Christ the creator of all took upon flesh God became flesh He did so by virgin birth. We won't take the time to explain this. Many of you understand this, but it was absolutely essential that he be born of a virgin so that he would not have the sin nature of man. He lived perfectly, God in a human body. It's an unusual birth. You have to understand he was born literally so that he could die. He lived for 33 years so that he could prove himself sinless. But he died, he came to die for the sins of the whole world. He took your sin, he took my sin upon him. And the third day he rose from the dead. He now sits at the right hand of the throne of God, the ruling King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Savior of the world. This is what makes this birth so unusual it's why the Christmas season it changes think about all the different variations that take place think about how they change the stories that they tell and all these things every year think about all the different things and I'm not knocking these things Enjoy your traditions. Enjoy your family get-togethers. Enjoy all the, make some new family traditions this year. It's a wonderful thing to do. And allow the holidays, the way we celebrate is continually changing, No, no problem with that. But always remember the real Christmas. The real story has never changed. And it has no need of changing because it is already perfect. It cannot be approved upon. It's in a league all of its own because this birth was, it was long awaited. It was one of a kind. It was the birth of a king. It was the appearance of the creator. It was the incarnation of God. It was the savior of of the world this is one momentous occasion it is an unchangeable Christmas let's pray